Hi, I'm Pastor David Jones. Welcome to my sermon archives. For more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I pray God speaks to you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to the key verse in the bulletin. Matthew 18, 20. Where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Matthew 18, 20. We have finished going through Ephesians and we are starting now into a a new section. We're going to uh, maybe kind of in honor of or in preparation for the uh, planning breakfasts, looking at what God has called this group of people in this place at this time to do. We're looking at various pictures in the Bible of the church. And the one we're looking at today, the first one, as you can see from the sermon title, is the church is a gathering of saints. The word church in the Bible translates the Greek word ecclesia. You may have heard the word ecclesiastical, referring to things that have to do with the church. The word ecclesia originally in the Greek meant any kind of a gathering of people. In the New Testament, it came to have the meaning of the gathering of those who follow Jesus. People that loved Jesus, people that followed Jesus, gathered together. And when they came together, they called that an ecclesia. And in our English translations, that is rendered church. So the picture of the church that we'll look at today is a picture of Christians gathered together. And you notice that I called it in the sermon, I called it a gathering of saints. And I've gone over this often enough, but a saint in the Bible is not somebody that was voted on by some church to be put on a calendar and have a special day, uh, as wonderful as it is to honor great Christians in that way. But in the Bible, saints is a word that refers to anybody who has given their life to Jesus and is following Jesus. So when we gather together here, we are a gathering of saints. So why should saints gather? Well, first, because the Bible says so. Hebrews 10, our first reading says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And if the day of his return was drawing near 2,000 years ago, then it's 2,000 years closer now. It's even nearer. The Bible says, let's not neglect our meeting together. Not because... You'll be a bad person if you don't meet with other Christians, not because God's going to get you if you don't go to church, but so we can encourage each other. 
so we can help each other, so we can be there for each other, and so we can benefit from the blessings of other Christians around. Now, for some of us, hopefully we will reach the place, and maybe some already are, that that's sufficient. The Bible says we should do it, that's all I need to hear. But we're going to go on and look at some other reasons. Some people say, well, I'm spiritual. I even believe in Jesus, but I don't, I don't, I just don't like the church. I don't like the institution. I don't like organized religion. And I have told some of those people, if you don't like organized religion, you ought to try my church. Because the way I run things is sometimes not very organized, as you could just see from the belated announcements. But the Bible knows nothing about Lone Ranger Christians. Christians all on their own. You just don't find them in the Bible. Somebody says, well, what about hermits? Well, if you feel like God is calling you to live like a hermit, if you're feeling like God is calling you to a life of contemplation and just being with him, then... That's between you and God, but I'll tell you what, if you're just looking for an excuse to go fishing on Sunday morning instead of go to church, don't talk to me about hermits. So why should we come together? Let's start with our key verse. Jesus said, where two or three gather together as my followers, more literally, gather together in my name, I am there among them. Now, of course, Jesus is with each one of us individually all the time, wherever we are. And so because he said this this way, he's talking about some different kind of a sense of his presence. You can't have an among unless there's more than one person. But when two or three gather together in the name of Jesus, as the followers of Jesus, then God is not only present in each one, but he is present there in some special way among them. Jesus is here among us now. Sometimes we're not very good at recognizing that. But there is a special presence of God that comes when two or three gather in his name. Now, I could talk a lot more about that. I could talk a lot more about every point I'm going to bring up today. I'm just kind of running through a quick overview. Another good reason for us to gather together is so that we can worship together. If you look in the book of Revelation, the worship in heaven, the fewest number that it describes worshiping is four. You can have heavenly worship with just four folks. But in Revelations 4, it starts off describing the four uh, living creatures around the throne, and then it expands to the 24 elders, and then you move to Revelation 7, and there are thousands worshiping. But it doesn't ever describe just one person. In Bible, worship as an attitude can be individual, or it can be a group. But worship as an act 
other than individual acts of sacrifice in the Old Testament, worship as an act is almost always corporate. It's almost always a group of people, to the point that individuals traveled many days to the proper places where they could join others in worship. There is something about worshiping together that brings that presence of God, helps us be aware of the presence of God. And let me just say this too. In worship, properly, according to the Bible, it's not that I'm the worship leader or the worshiper and you all are the audience. There's an audience of one. Who's that? God is the audience for our worship. The Holy Spirit is the worship leader. And all of us are the worship team. All of us together, we're the choir. So we should come together because it enhances our worship. And that's not only a blessing for God, it's a blessing for each of us. We come together because the Bible says it multiplies our power in prayer. Jesus said, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. He doesn't say, if only one of you asks, he won't do it. But he does talk about increased power in prayer when we agree together. And it's hard to agree with somebody in prayer unless you're together. When we come together, it multiplies our power and service. We can do more things together than we can do by ourselves. I saw a cartoon one time. It showed a traffic jam heading into a city, morning commute, Freeway just lined with cars. And over on the side was uh, some homeless folks. And a little thought bubble coming out of each one of these cars. Thousands of cars. Each one of them thinking, but what can one person do? But it wasn't one person, it was thousands. They just weren't together. When we come together, it multiplies our ability to make God's kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is relation. If you look at each one of those, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all things that we do in relation to other people. You're kind to other people. You love other people. And so if we want to exercise and grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's really good to come together and practice on each other. In Proverbs it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 
We come together because it provides support for us. We, su- we provide support for each other. In Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 to 12 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The Bible describes the devil as a roaring lion prowling about seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever seen those nature documentaries that show lions hunting and they go after a herd of zebras or gazelles or whatever? Which one do they get? The one that's off by itself. They come into a Herd, especially with certain kinds of animals. Uh, if, if you look at uh, polar bears attacking muskox, if you've seen those, the muskox are these big cow kind of things, but they all stand in a circle with their tails together and their horns facing out, and the wolves can't get them. They can't find any place because they're all together with the horns facing out. But if one gets off by itself, then the pack of wolves gets it. When I first became a Christian, one of the things that I was told I've never forgotten, they said, Christians are like bananas. You separate one from the bunch, it's sure to get peeled. We come together as Christians For mutual accountability. We can ask each other how things are going. As a matter of fact, one of the main factors, I believe, and many scholars believe, in the growth of the Methodist movement was that when they started off, they they met in small groups. They didn't start with the Sunday morning meeting. As a matter of fact, For a long time, you were not allowed to go Sunday morning unless you could produce a ticket signed by your small group leader saying you'd been in the small group meeting. And in the small groups, they didn't open up the Bible and say, what do you think this verse means? What do you think this verse means? And there's some value to that. But they held each other accountable. They asked each other, what areas of your life are you having trouble with? What temptations are you dealing with? What sins are you struggling with? And they would ask each other, so how are you doing with that? Accountability. Helping us grow to be like Jesus. Have you ever heard of the one another's? In the Bible, there's a bunch of verses called the one another's. They are the ones that talk about how we as Christians should treat one another. And I'm going to go down those in just a moment. 
But you can only do one another's if you're around another. One or more another. You got it? You can't do one another's all by yourself. So we come together to practice the one another's. And here, just a quick, I'm not going to read the whole verse and I'm not going to read the scripture references. I have them here, but I'm just going to read the one another part of each one. We come together so that we can love one another. Take delight in honoring each other. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Teach one another. Greet one another in Christian love. Literally, it says with a holy kiss. But that one was a contextual thing. And that's today it's with a warm handshake. Wait for each other. It's talking about in the Lord's Supper. Instead of pushing each other out of the side, uh, the Lord's Supper, which they kind of combined with their, their meals. So here it would be kind of like when we have a church dinner. Don't shove each other out of the way. Wait for each other. In other words, be polite to each other. Care for each other. Encourage each other. Serve one another. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Now, that's easy for us. Nobody in here has any faults, right? But uh, we make allowance. See, you make allowance for my poor attempts at making a joke. Make allowance for each other's faults. Be kind to each other. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Submit to one another. Don't lie to each other. Teach and counsel each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Always try to do good to each other. Warn each other every day. You're not being judgmental and you're not being nosy if you notice somebody doing something that you think is going to cause them trouble. Get them off the track. You talk to them. You warn them. That's, that's loving. Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Part of our first reading. Do not speak evil against one another. Don't grumble about each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Offer hospitality to one another without complaining. Serve one another. And finally, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So we come together for all of those reasons. And none of them has to do with God wanting to see how big a crowd he can get. It all has to do with helping us be happier, more joyful, more Christ-like children of God. The Bible says that we are the family of God. God is our Father. We're His children. When a family comes together, 
Well, first, they need to come together. Not much of a family if they don't come together sometimes. And it should be a family reunion when we come together. So what happens when we come together? Just very quickly, that was what our second reading was about. Do you know that in the Bible it never says that you have to go to a special building with a special kind of architecture and sit in weird kinds of seats that you never see anyplace else and listen to somebody talk at you. There's nothing wrong with any of that. The Bible doesn't say you don't have to do that. But when the Bible says gather together, that's not what it's talking about. Our second reading says, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, one will teach, another will tell some revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what's said, but everything that's done must strengthen all of you. In other words, everyone has an opportunity to contribute. We're all the worship team. We all can have things that God tells us. It says one will teach, and so that means there's nothing wrong with somebody who maybe has had an opportunity to learn more, to have more education uh, about a certain thing, and uh, to share that. But it says all of you can prophesy, which is speaking out, God told me this, and God showed me that, and we all can do that. Maybe one of the things that we can talk about in the planning breakfast is whether we need to do something to make our services less institutional and more like the Bible. Well, I was going to wrap it up there, and I had it all done and uh, ready to print out, and then this morning I opened the upper room, and I read this morning's devotional, or today's devotional, for the upper room, and I, I had to end with this. A man from Gotland, Sweden, Tomas Bostrom from Gotland, Sweden, writes this. He says, even though the memory is over 50 years old, I can recall one particular youth retreat at any time. While I do not remember everything, what songs we sang or who was there, I do remember the surroundings and a certain evening. A group of us were sitting on a rock that stretched out into the water in Mr. Hult's archipelago. It was dusk on a cool summer night at the end of an intense day. A campfire was burning under a crisscross of logs. Without saying anything, one of the leaders removed a log from the fire. After a while, we could see that the log lost its flame, while the others still in the fire burned to the fullest. A moment later, someone said, we need each other so we can burn bright. When the log was returned to the campfire, it quickly took the flame again. This was the message of the preaching that summer, perhaps the most important preaching of my entire youth. Our faith is like a fire. It burns brightly when stoked with love and community with God and others. 
God has given us community with one another so that we may give our attention, love, and energy to those whose lives intersect with ours. Let's say our key verse together. But let me first say this. Don't just come to church as a duty or a religious hoop to jump through or to get brownie points with God. Think about all the reasons we gather and what God wants to happen here and consciously try to experience those things. Our key verse, Matthew 18, 20, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Matthew 18, 20. pray it blessed you. Again, I'm Pastor David Wentz, and for more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, please visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. May God bless you as we do Christianity together. See you next time.